step inside my living room Share a little talk By roads walked and lessons learned Keeping the flame of faith burning I wanna know where you've been What you found out Spread some light in the darkness Spread it all about In the height In the height Put it all in the height Hello and welcome back to Hat Radio. My name is Avram Rosenzweig. And this is episode 18. This is going to be a very interesting episode. I'm quite excited about it because today I'm interviewing Sadie Dome Bube, and she is my son's bar mitzvah teacher. Hello, Sadie. Hi. <laughs> Welcome. Thank you very much. I'm so happy that you're doing this interview. I'm very excited about it. Firstly, I find it, it it's kind of quirky. Like, you know, the idea that I'm interviewing you as my son's bar mitzvah teacher, I, I like sort of the twists of that. Do, do you find that exciting? I do. Yeah. I do. Yeah. And, and you've spent a year with my son, and his bar mitzvah is on the horizon. We're just about there. Um, so you've gotten to know him very well in certain ways, and that's a nice thing, too. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. I think as a bar mitzvah teacher, you probably develop a very intimate relationship with your students, right? I do. I I really enjoy uh, watching them progress. I love to bring out that natural inner talent that so many, all students really have. And many times they don't even realize that it's in there. So I love bringing the best out of them and introducing them to these new newfound skills that uh, they may not have had when we started out. So I always find myself uh, towards the end when I'm finishing up with the student, right, right. and I kind of think back to the first lesson, and I and I like go like, wow, this is amazing. Yeah, they're, we've come a long they're way. They're wonderful, yeah. And I make sure they know. I let them know. <laughs> so, so not to go into too much depth about mm-hmm. your year with my son, um, how was the year? The year was fantastic. Was it? It was great. Um, like with many students, we go through, uh, you know, where it goes very smoothly, but everybody along the way, you know, will, will reach uh, points where uh, there's, there's ups and then you have some downs. But the main thing is that what I impart to all my students is that they just have to give it their best try and, I'm, and we'll work it through together. Right. We'll work, we'll get through it together and in the end they will shine. And they will be confident. And that's uh, the most important um, gift or lesson that I think, or, or that what I really enjoy in giving over to students is to show them that they can do this, they can excel at it, and then they can be so proud of it. Yeah. And yeah. it's a it's a great accomplishment. It's huge, isn't it? It is, and many times it translates into uh, it spills over into regular school as well. I've had many cases where you know the kids will start out and it's so foreign. It's yeah. you know I have kids from all different backgrounds, kids who have already been in Hebrew school, they're okay with Hebrew reading, kids who've never been to Hebrew school, kids who have learning difficulties for various different reasons, kids who are in Hebrew day school and they're genius. Like I've, I've had all different uh, levels 
And it's very interesting uh, to sort of zoom in and to address each student's individual needs. It's sort of to go according to each student's pace. To who they are. To who they are, exactly. So do you see yourself as a bar mitzvah teacher? If that's such an interesting question because that's one of the things that I do. Um, it's evolved over the years. Yes. Uh, I think of myself as a, a role model, a tutor. Um, uh, I guess, yes, I do. But that wouldn't be the first thing that would come to mind. So what would be the first thing? To describe myself. Well, uh, I would be mother, wife, grandmother. Yeah, you're a bubby too, right? <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a bubby. They call me Nana. It's it's wonderful. But when you're it's like wonderful. at a party mm-hmm. <laughs> or some sort of get together and you're schmoozing with people, yeah. you're meeting new people and yeah. they say, oh, so what do you do, Sadie? And you go, I'm a bar mitzvah teacher. Yeah, I say. I well, tutor, what, what do people respond to that? I tutor kids. Um, a lot of times they're uh, very taken aback because people who are knowledgeable about they'll go really like i thought only guys did that right (laughs) and i go no (laughs) that's not quite the case and happily so it's um but you are unique though because you're a religious woman you're from Mm -hmm. and uh, you are a bar mitzvah teacher would you find other sadie domes in the religious community people who teach bar mitzvahs and they're female uh, I do know of other bar mitzvah tutors who are female, whether they're in the religious community. Um, I'm I'm not really sure if I've met another person right within my community who does exactly what yeah. I do. I know there's many wonderful teachers. I mean, uh, and all the, oh, there's fabulous teachers. But specifically with Torah reading, there are from women who who do Torah. I was just uh, on Purim. There was a a, wom- a women's uh, uh, Megillah reading, and so it's it's out there. But in terms of of uh, teaching bar mitzvah students, I'm not aware. But that doesn't mean there may not be. I don't know. So, so let's talk about the bar mitzvah. Mm-hmm. It, bar mitzvahs in of themselves are really quite compelling because. They're what we would consider a Jewish rites of passage. Mm-hmm. Uh, Australia, amongst the Aboriginals, have a rites of passage where, where they send out young people into the outback and they have to find their way back home. Every culture seems to have mm-hmm. a particular rites of passage at this age, 12 for a girl and 13 for a boy. Right. Right. So firstly, do you teach bat mitzvah as well? Yes, I do. You do? Mm-hmm. What, what's easier, by the way? <laughs> it's all very individual. Is it? Really, yeah. If I had yeah. to guess, I would say it's easier to teach girls. Um, in the in the bigger picture overall, that would be, a, it would lean closer to that. I would agree with you. But it really is very, each student it has their own individual rate of progress. No, I, I hear yeah. that. But yeah. I went online, I went mm-hmm. on Facebook. And I asked people, tell me about your bar and bat mitzvah experiences. Mm-hmm. And the first thing was more women responded than men. And of those responses, far more were positive. Mm-hmm. Um, and I took out of that that I think for uh, girls, nowadays I think bat mitzvahs are probably a bit more sophisticated than they were 20 years ago. But mm-hmm. but I think there's a fun component 
to having a bat mitzvah. You're up there, you sing, you make a great speech, and so on. I'm not sure it's so much fun to learn an entire portion in the Torah, is it? Uh, from the, I can only speak from my perspective as of uh, the methodology that I use to teach the students. And part of what I do is I tell them, you know what, this is going to be, it's going to be fun, but yeah. I'm not going to lie to you. It's going to be work. It's going to be work. Right. <laughs> but I'm going to direct you and show you exactly what you need to do. But you don't have to worry about a thing. As long as you follow my instructions, you're going to be great. You're going to be a-okay. And we'll work on whatever comes up. We'll work through everything together. So, so I know the, um, typically, it's like kids are going, oh, you know, oh, I have to start. Yeah, what a drag, yeah. But what I find with my student, and it was so interesting to me, even till like right now, every time I have a new student starting, uh, they come to the door, the, the previous student is leaving, and, right. and they meet and they go, what are you doing here? <laughs> it's, it's so nice. It's really nice. And um, so, so my experiences with my students... Uh, thankfully, have always been really, really good. I feel that the kids, they they look for it. They know that, you know, they can't get away with anything, but but we're in it together. We're a team. It's not opposing sides. Like I'm I'm we're we're working as a team to together towards a common goal. That's very beautiful. It really is. And mm -hmm. I sense that, by the way, when you first mm -hmm. started working with my son. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there was nothing adversarial about it. No, no. You were never at all. angry with him, no. even though he diverged a little bit from yeah, your listen, ideology. Everybody does. You were everyone good. Everyone does. But, but that's, you know, the part of respecting everyone's, you know, every, every student is different. Everyone's an individual, it's a different way of approaching things. I like to go with the flow, you know, of, of the student. And the really most important thing is they know that I'm, I'm there for them and that this is a, a shared, it is a shared goal. And I feel that the other formula for success, which has weighed really heavily, is that they know, the kids know that I believe in them. Yes. And, and, and I know how to guide them to get them to their maximum potential. And you know what? Throughout all the different cases that I've come across over all these years, everyone, everyone has stepped up. When, when that child, that student knows that I, I really believe that they can do this. Yes. And I see all the positive aspects. And, and that's what I do. I, I bring out, um, all the positive that I see and guide them, they always step up. And, and I'm so proud because it's just so wonderful. I always get um, either calls or emails or letters and cards of thank you. And, and, I, and, I, and many times I attend. Um, and just to see, you know, the, the, that pride in their, you know, in their faces and the compliments and the accolades that they get afterwards. It's a very, very satisfying um, uh, experience. What, I what, what I really liked about you is first I, I did my research um, before we came to you and the word on the street is that you're one of the best out there. Oh, thank you. Yes, that's the <laughs> I word. Didn't know. And I wanted my son to have one of the best. Mm -hmm. I, 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 I believe in a classic education. Mm -hmm. So when my son was about to learn his bar mitzvah stuff, I felt really strongly is let's get somebody on board who is a passionate, 
Uzbi is very good at what they do and known to be good. And C, obviously someone who's going to get along with Noah very well. So you're not authoritarian in nature, but you keep the child on a straight path. Oh, yeah. You're not authoritarian very much at all, right? No, no. I very much go with the flow. But but I also set out the goals right at the very at the outset. Start. At the outset. Right. So there's no misunderstanding. I make it very clear that, you know, once I do my assessment, I see where the student is at. And then I can say, you know what? I, I believe, you know what? You're going to be amazing. We can do this together. However, you know, you're going to be signing up for this program. And here is what you you know, need to be um, uh, able to say that you're going to give a commitment that you're going to do not to have your mom or dad run after you, but you're going to need to do this because you want to do this. Right, right. And, uh, and, and if, and I said, you don't have to give me an answer right away. You can think about this. You can talk about this. Call me afterwards. And if you're ready to sign on, then yes, sir, we're ready to we're gonna have we're gonna have a great time at this. Do you ever get angry with the kids? Um, not angry. Uh, disappointed. I might get disappointed, and you know. And I honestly, I always, I always, you know, tell tell them exactly, you know, uh, the situation. I'll say, well, look, here's the situation. Yeah. Another thing, yeah. like one of the things that when they're signing up, it's I say it's not enough to come the once a week lesson that we do, but you need to do follow up. You need to practice whatever it is that we've been doing during the lesson, and that can vary. You know, it could be four or five times a week, three to four times a week, sometimes five to six times a week. As I get to know your rate of progress, you know, we'll I'll be able to um, recommend more exact. Uh, and I and I tell them, you know, okay, there'll be times when you're not able to. That's okay. You have school. You have this. But if I I will know, <laughs> you don't have to tell me. But yeah. I'm gonna know when you're not on top <laughs> of your game. I'm gonna tell you. <laughs> and so you know, it's all out in the open. There, it's it's an it's a, an open agreement type of thing. And and we work at this together. So do you feel at all that it's important? To be the best bar and bat mitzvah teacher that you can be, because there are some stereotypical views. Oh yeah. Of the what we'll call not so great bar mitzvah teachers, and I'll give you an example. Mm -hmm. As I said, I went online before on Facebook, and I asked people per their experiences. And one fellow, very very sadly, mm. went to a bar mitzvah teacher, and 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 I've heard this a few times that where, where where guys especially will say, and my teacher was a Holocaust survivor. Oh, you know, uh -huh. because I think what happened was Holocaust survivors came over here. Right. And some of them, that's what they had to do. We're talking about years ago. Years ago. Oh, yes. Yeah, these are I've older heard stories. about these, yeah. And he would tell me that when he hadn't done his work properly, yeah. his bar mitzvah teacher would take, have him put his hand in a fist, and then he would squeeze his fingers oh, and hurt no. the kid. And I said to him, I said, I'm so sorry that happened to you, yeah. and I hope there was like an abundance of love, you know, right, the rest of right. your life or up until now. Yeah, so is there that sort of legacy I've, that you're trying to fight? Um, not at all. I don't uh, feel that. I have had parents tell me of similar experiences, yeah, yeah. you know, but I, I think that's indicative of really even in the regular public school system, we're talking about a society, norms of the society of the way 
past, way in the past, like 50, 60 years ago, when, you know, teachers in the class, it was, it was totally different. It was. it was a different world. So whatever the bar mitzvah tutors did in those days was really symbolic of, or not too far off what was happening in a regular public school classroom. Yeah. So, you know, it, it's more, um, I think, shows us what society was like, what societal norms were like in education back then versus to what it is today, which is light years away. It's light years away. It I, is. It I, feels I, that way. It does. Yeah. And Sadie, I have to tell you something. As I got more involved in my son's bar mitzvah, the more excited I became. Mm -hmm. And the more I investigated that excitement, I realized this was so much about my own particular memories, my mm -hmm. own personal memories of my bar mitzvah, right. which was very, very big for me. It was very holy for me in its own way, as much as it can be for 13 years old. But the memories I had and oh, the importance sure. of it were enormous. Sure. Do, do you do you feel that way too? Yeah, yeah. It um it it really lasts a lifetime. It does. It's those imprints, those uh, imprints as uh, starting from childhood. You know, like if uh, kids are fortunate to have grandparents, you know, like my, in our age, <laughs> yes. if we are fortunate to have had our grandparents. And so all these these childhood memories, it, it, they stay with you. And especially at bar and bat mitzvah age, um, it's a it's a very pivotal point in in life. And uh, and oh, what I find now is I'm getting the children of my students and that is like that's wild that's my, that is wild it's, it's mind-boggling mind uh especially when you know a case sort of come, i i get a new student and then it's like gee that that name I know sounds that name. familiar and then i meet mom and dad and i go wait a second i think and he goes yes you were my bar mitzvah tutor <laughs> and it, it's just beautiful it's, how many years have you been wonderful. teaching oh my goodness I started in 1980 when I was just newly married. As a bar mitzvah teacher. As a bar mitzvah tutor. That's when I became a bar mitzvah tutor because my, my former late husband, Rabbi Dome, yes. he was a rabbi and a cantor. Uh, he had been doing it for many years. And uh, once we got married, he this great idea dawned on him. He said, hey, you know, I think I'd like to take a break from this. Would you like me to train you? And I said, sure. Yeah. So that's how it all started. You know, I have to tell you, and then we're going to get back into a question that I started a few minutes ago, mm -hmm. which is what is the essence of the bar mitzvah. I have to tell you something. I really appreciate uh, your uh, adventuresome nature. <laughs> really? Like <laughs> I asked you. you if you would do the show on short notice. Somebody else canceled. And first she said, well, I don't know, Avram. I'm not sure that I can. Things are happening. And then you called me back. You said, no, no, I'd really like to do it. <laughs> and then you tell me this story about how Rabbi Dome asked you if you wanted to be a bar and bat mitzvah teacher. And you said yes. That's right. <laughs> so you like taking on I do. challenges. Yes, very much Good so. Good for you. Very much so. And it's really, uh, it's blossomed and developed and uh become very fine-tuned over the years and I it's I'm really I feel blessed and fortunate to be a part of so many people's lives mm -hmm. and it, it's and it's part of a very very positive memories and very happy um, outcomes 
and uh, I will I'll meet people, you know, uh, with, like parents who who report to me, and I get the hugs and the kisses, and yeah. like, oh my yeah. goodness, and um, and also I love I love watching the metamorphosis. It really is a metamorphosis. I've had students, you know, who've come to me um, so shy, like could barely even sitting next to uh, them on the on the just sitting next to each other you know I had one student who could speak in barely a whisper I have to lean over so I would hear so hear I'd them. hear the student but by the time I'm done you know and they're ready it's like you know we've also done voice projection techniques and they go up there um, years ago I remember there was uh, one student uh, who started out like that and then, of course, she went up. This was a bat mitzvah, and she did an amazing job. Yeah. But I'll never forget this. Her aunt, who flew in special from New York, she afterwards, she said to me, and in that beautiful New York accent, she goes, I couldn't believe it. She says, my niece, she sounded like Barbara Streisand. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. It was That's just, great. It's just so, it's so, um, it's such a wonderful feeling to, to be part of people's lives that way. Oh, it must be. It is. It's beautiful. It must be. Yeah. How many kids do you think you've taught? Oh, my goodness. If you uh, have to guesstimate. If I have to guesstimate, oh, under a thousand, between 800 and a thousand. That's a lot of kids. That's a lot of kids yeah. from 1980, yeah. And then the interesting thing is they take that forward. That's the right. The stuff that you taught them, they That's can right. share with their children, right? That's right. Fantastic. That's so right. um, I asked uh, a dear friend of mine, Ellie Rubenstein. Do you know Ellie? Mm -hmm. Congregation Haboni, March of the Living. Yes. I, I seem to mention him every show. <laughs> I actually interviewed him and he's a really beautiful human being. He's a very close uh, friend of mine and he is very highly accomplished. Mm -hmm. Ellie used to be the bar mitzvah teacher of bar mitzvah teachers. Did you know that? No. Yes, he was. Yes, he was. Oh, wow. In fact, one of the comments that I got on Facebook was from Aaron Lightstone. Mm -hmm. uh, Aaron is a uh, music therapist. Mm -hmm. And Aaron said, when I was growing up, he said, I think there were two people who you would go to if you wanted to learn your bar mitzvah stuff. One was, was it Mr. Zucker? Does that ring oh, a bell? Yeah, Mr. From Zucker? Associated? From Associated? I remember that name. Mr. Yes. Zucker. Yes. And the other was Ellie Rubenstein. Oh. Yeah. All right. I said to Ellie, yeah. Because the bar mitzvah is coming up, I want to be prepared for it. Mm -hmm. What are the reasons for a bar mitzvah? So let, let me put this by. You tell me what you think, okay? Mm -hmm. He said, first, overcoming challenge. Uh, it's a confidence builder. In other words, most cultures have similar rituals for young people, a vision quest, a walkabout. Uh, when done, the child feels good about himself or herself. Does that resonate with you? I agree 100%. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So he's kind of saying, it's really interesting because he's saying, in some ways, the bar mitzvah in of itself is to take a child who is growing, who is mm -hmm. blossoming intellectually and otherwise, and it's to give them that added confidence. Right. It's a part of self-development. Right. And uh, all, the, all the ideas that we talk about, you know, becoming responsible for your own actions, um, it's, a, it's growth. Right. It's personal growth. Yeah. And also becoming aware of who you are within your community and within so, the world. So let's touch on that. Importance of study. Uh, he sort of positions this as connecting to tikkun, tikkun olam, which is repairing yes. the world. You need to educate yourself before you can act. 
In other words, you're now at an age where you can go out on the Via Hafta van and help the homeless. Mm -hmm. You can go help uh, visit people in hospitals. But first, you have to kind of train yourself. First, you have to develop yourself through study. Mm -hmm. Does it make sense to you? Absolutely. Part of what, um, apart from the Torah reading and the Haftor and the Brachot, there's also the Dvar Torah that the students are prepared, do prepare. And that's where we look at what are the literal events that took place in your Torah portion, and then finding the deeper insights and meanings from whichever part of of those of the uh, of that story that appeals to the yeah. student and the goal is to find that connection from what happened thousands of years ago in ancient biblical history and to and to connect it to the student's life today and then how that ties in with tikkun olam is my son's Torah finished by the way very close. It's a good chance to ask. Very close. You, you must know a lot of Torah. In your own way. In my own way, yes. Yeah, you must. There's 54 portions. Yeah. And you must have a handle on most of them, right? On a good number of them. I'm not as adept as, as a person who is a ritual director, who reads the, yeah. who lanes every every week. But it's it's great. Can you get excited about the sacrifices when you're sitting with a child who's beginning to learn? I explain the origin because it's such a it's a difficult concept, it especially is. today. And you know, we look at um, you know, well, there is a concept in the Torah, Tsar Balei Chaim, right? Having um, treating animals with kindness. Yes. Um, how that is interpreted and explained today versus what the ancient world looked like are two very different things. Yes, so it's they so are. important to uh, help the student understand that, you know, it's it's not at all the way <laughs> the way you know it is. It came from a, a totally different thought process. I'm assuming you've had to work that through, per your own philosophy of life, right? Well, sure. Um, you know, back then. Uh, paganism and animal sacrifice. Animal sacrifice was considered really humane, given that many religions they believed in human sacrifice. Uh, yes, yes. So when you look at it in the context of ancient civilizations, what was the so-called norm in some of them, in many of them, at any given time? Uh, so it's relative. It's 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 relative. Yeah, yeah, very much so. And and if you think about the idea. That within Judaism and within the seven uh, commandments, the Noahite law, right. laws, which is for the, the non-Jew, there is one which says you cannot eat uh, a limb from a live animal. Mm -hmm. And you think to yourself, bizarre. Right. Who do you know who ever yeah. grabbed a cow and just took a big bite out right. of their leg? We don't. We no. don't do such things. No. But they did. Well, if they... They did. It could be. It must have been. It must have been. Be no if they said law. you shouldn't do it, then then obviously, you know. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Number three, uh, yeah. connection to past generations, as well as the future. Mm -hmm. Ellie says the Talmud says one who teaches one's children teaches their children's children. Again, a reason for the bar mitzvah. Does that work for you? Say that one again. Yeah. So he says by teaching a child their bar mitzvah or their bat mitzvah, in essence, what you're doing is you're connecting them to past generations. Right. And he says, as well as the future. 
right? And he encourages this point by saying the Talmud says that one who teaches one's children teaches their children's children. So in essence, it's when you're true. sitting with a bar about mitzvah child, yeah. not only are you teaching them, but their grandchildren down but the road. But it's because you're imparting to them this ability to be able to pass it forward. Right, right. He says also that by teaching, the reason for the bar mitzvah is that you're creating a memory. In other words, in other words, I remember distinctly my bar mitzvah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, I haven't asked you yet. Did you have a bat mitzvah? No. You were religious. Yeah, but and in you, your world, they didn't have bat mitzvahs. Not we. It, it was like a birthday, like a special birthday. Okay. But also back then, and I'm making it sound like so long ago. Yeah. Well. <laughs> <laughs> but it's true. I I think that um, bat mitzvahs are relatively recent. Yes, they are. Even in the conservative movement. Yes. So I. Don't recall even my um, uh, counterparts uh, in the conservative movement in those years. It wasn't. It wasn't yet an established thing. Well, it's an interesting thing because uh, bar mitzvahs it, it are rel- bar mitzvahs are relatively new as well. That's right. They are. They really, really started to catch on around the twenties and the thirties in the nineteen mm-hmm. hundreds. Okay, the fifth mm-hmm. one that Ellie says is a bar or a bat mitzvah brings people together in celebration of love, the love and connection to each other and the bar mitzvah boy and girl, which is a very yeah. nice thing. Oh, yeah. It, it's, a, it's a great family occasion. It brings everyone together. Um, you know, a lot of the kids, and what I've noticed over the years, let's say going back to the 80s and then the 90s, there was a very big emphasis, of course, they do the, you know, what they have to do in shul, the Torah reading and the brachot and the haftorah. Um, and then there was the big party. So the party had a very big, heavy, um, that was huge. Yes. And they were big back then, for the most part. Not everyone, but it was sort of, um, and over time, that has uh, not... I find that it doesn't take such a precedent. I, I'm finding that families are customizing, are looking for ways not to not to do what everybody else does, mm-hmm. to do what is meaningful for them as a family. Like, for example, you know, doing the bar mitzvah at the Kotel. In Israel. In Israel. Yeah. Do a family trip because you're creating memories that will be cherished forever by the whole family and and making and creating deeper bonds. And uh, so I, I think there's been a, a migration. There still are parties, of course, but not to the extent I'm finding, at least this has been my observation, is that I have found in more recent years that families are, are much more into, into doing um, what feels best and most comfortable for, for their their family. Well, it was really situation. it was really embarrassing a few years ago. I found for the Jewish people that there would be articles in like Time magazine about million dollar bar mitzvah oh, really? parties where J Lo would be invited to come oh, out my and gosh. sing. That that's it's inappropriate. I think it's over the top. You have too much. I mean, though. it's um for you know what everyone does what they feel is comfortable for them. Right. Um, and looking from the outside, you know, it's easy to, it's easy to come to that conclusion. 
Um, but I'm sure that in every community, things, you know, there's certain community standards of, of how they, you know, what's perceived to be what everybody does. But that's exactly what I'm saying is that to now, like more recently, I'm finding that families are more apt to be very individual, you know, to, to do what's different, not necessarily to out, you know, oh, so and so did this. So we have to, I don't, I don't really hear that part at all. Thankfully, I really haven't, um, uh, seen it. It's always done in a very positive way, you know, to, they mean the, it's always meant for the, for the best, for the, for the child. Absolutely. I have a friend on Facebook. Mm -hmm. Her name is Shayla. Mm-hmm. And I asked her, what are your memories of your bat mitzvah? And she writes, she goes, I have great memories of my bat mitzvah weekend. Why? Because my mother being fairly newly widowed, mm. she was fairly newly widowed and not having huge amounts of funds to put on a huge bat mitzvah for me, asking her friends to help her cook mm. a shul luncheon, a synagogue luncheon that we had in a, in a shul kitchen. And not just one or two friends showed up, but about 10 came. And I, you know, this to me is beautiful. And they got everything done for a massive shul luncheon for all of our guests and congregants. She continues, it was really beautiful expression of friendship and community. Then my party was at home in the evening with a DJ and a disco light borrowed from somebody. They borrowed mm-hmm. it. Being in the 70s, it was a disco party. <laughs> Some other kids had more extravagant parties, yet everyone told me mine was the best party they went to. Oh, Isn't that lovely? It's beautiful. And that's actually, now I'm remembering, um, you know, I've been to so many of them. Some of them are in, in their parent, you know, in their home. Yeah. But they're the most beautiful. It's the happiest occasion. The friends come. It's, And that's what I've always said. Um, because many times I, I kind of have the pleasure of being able to guide the parents if they come to me before they've actually um, set a date or chosen where or what, you know, um, I can help to guide them as to what all their choices are. And I always make sure to tell them it's it's not, you know what, it's it's the quality. It's what you make of it. Yeah. To make it warm and, and loving and and uh, exciting. It's that's what's important. It's not doesn't have to be big. It can be like just the media's family. I, I totally agree. I we just did our rehearsal the other mm-hmm. day, and it's at the Winchevsky Center, mm-hmm. um, which is not opulent by any stretch. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a it's a hall. It's a gym, right. more or less. And I looked around and I thought to myself, and I think I actually mentioned this to mm-hmm. you. I feel two ways. Number one, initially I felt like, whoa, like is this enough? Am I, am I doing well enough by my son? Oh, of course. Or or is this really fantastic? Why? Because it's very earthy. It's very, very organic in nature. And we've worked really hard on developing a beautiful, meaningful, loving, inclusive exactly. service. And you're working so much harder. Sorry to interrupt yeah. you, but actually doing what you're doing, you're you're doing you have to plan from a to z when you go into a shul like the the shul is there the sidurim is there the the arona kodesh the torah everything is there you just book the date and you walk in right yeah but what you're doing is you're giving so much more of yourself there's so much more work your whole heart and soul goes into it you're customizing it you're taking an empty room and you're bringing Torah into it. You're bringing kedusha. You're bringing the holiness. Well, of, thank you. Of your your son's uh, major 
uh, life's event. Thank you. Into that room. Yeah, the only thing I regret is that you're going to Florida. <laughs> you are not going to be at the Bar Mitzvah, and I'm angry. I'm so sorry. I know, I know. Do you regret not being I there? I do regret. I know. I do. I would love to be there. But I want to have the full report. No, I will give you a yes, report. I will give you a report. I definitely want okay, the full so report. Let, let's, let's go down yeah. a different road here. Um, uh, for those who are not aware of the Bar and Bat Mitzvah process, essentially a particular weekend is chosen mm -hmm. right for the bar mitzvah the bat mitzvah the girl right. or boy to come up and read from the torah right right which is the old testament now that portion is is chosen predicated on what so typically um the first thing that's usually done is we check the birthday yes of the student and we check in the Hebrew calendar, they have to be either 12 years or 13 years, according to the Hebrew calendar. 12 for the girl, 13 yeah. for the boy. And plus one day. And typically, uh, I do that to double check, but most of, the, most of the time, by the time a student comes to me, they've already booked in the synagogue, so the synagogues are checking this. Sometimes years before, right? They're coming to me? No, I understood that there are people oh, yeah. who book... Uh, the weekend, the like oh, when the yeah. kid's five years old. <laughs> I don't know. Seven, eight, nine, ten, whatever. Depending on which synagogue. There are synagogues yeah. that are really, um, they uh, are very high demand. Yes. And for sure, I've heard at least two years ahead for a lot of places. Okay. I don't know what it is currently. It varies from, from as you know, from depending year on, to, depending, yeah. yeah. But it, it, so, so you look at the date, the mm -hmm. birth date of the child. Yeah. So so ideally it's nice to have it on the the first Shabbat after the Hebrew birthday. But there is a choice. There are many choices for the parents. There's a Shabbat morning service, there is a weekday morning service, there's a uh, Rosh Chodesh. Whenever the Torah is being read is is an option for when the student can have a, a bar or bat mitzvah and, and also is the new month is a, yeah the hebrew new month um also the havdalah service the uh shabbat afternoon uh the mincha marif havdalah service is another option but all of this depends on depending what shul you're affiliated with and uh and that very much guides guides people is there any type of bar mitzvah or bat mitzvah be it the after sabbath service the havdalah service or the saturday morning is there any particular one that really excites you over another or is it more the child um it's more of when we have the time to plan ahead it's more of matching what the abilities of the child are to what would be the best service oh yeah okay to have them shine okay so for example you know a student who comes out of uh hebrew day school and is uh pretty adept at reading hebrew and so that child you know like in the orthodox shuls they and i've had students too who read the entire torah reading yeah, yeah. which is you know could be 100 or 150 verses approximately um so it, it really depends once you know i get to to know the student and that's another trend i've noticed over the years it used to be it was very much you know shabbat morning and it still is that's the number one prime so-called prime time for prime bar time for yeah for bar and bat mitzvahs for bar and bat mitzvahs but there are all these other options out there 
and um, and parents nowadays, you know, do according more according to what is viable and comfortable for them as a family. So you made an interesting point uh, a moment ago. You said it's predicated on the child themselves. In other words, what are they a bit, uh, uh, able to do? What are they interested in doing? Who are they? Mm-hmm. I have a friend whom I think you know. And the family's goals. And the family's goals. And probably budget as well plays into mm-hmm. that. You know Marcel Cohen? Of course. Oh, okay, good. Yeah. Marcel is an He's amazing wonderful. person, right? Wonderful. A wonderful, oh, wonderful yes. teacher. Excellent. And Marcel is a bar a bat mitzvah teacher, mm-hmm. but he has a specialty, and yes. that specialty is dealing with children who have special needs. Yes. Now, I was blown away that, by mm-hmm. this when Marcel told me this, you know, because I thought to myself, I remember growing up, there would always be children in the congregation who didn't have a bar mitzvah or didn't have a bat mitzvah. Really? Well, they were autistic oh. or they had autism, Yeah. you know, and, and the parents were basically said, I don't want to put my kid through that. But that's not the case anymore, right? No, not at all. Uh, I know Marcel uh, quite well. He's, he's excellent. Yeah. He's excellent. And um, I've also had some students, uh, who've had those types of issues and and that's we just do something totally different yeah so what do you do I so want to I, ask you. I had a case actually that marcel referred to me um where the boy you know i started i always start my students with uh upgrading with the hebrew reading skills so if a student has had zero background we start from olive bet we start to learn how to read hebrew yes. and i tell them you know what learning to read hebrew is actually easier than reading english and no one when i say that is I it just, really it really is yes it's phonet it's very it's phonetics the sound of the letter the sound of the vowel and no matter how long a hebrew word is mm-hmm. you're only deciphering one letter vowel at a time and so your eye, you know, has to go just letter, vowel, letter, vowel. Oh, yes. So yes. it's it really is easier. Whereas in English, you know, you've got your letters and your vowels. Your eye actually scans the whole word and then you decipher. Oh. And if you try to do that in the Hebrew, oh, boy, you'll get all, mess, all messed up. Yeah, you're in trouble. So, yeah. But so it, it really is. So this, this student, um, he was very, he, he loved music. He loved singing. Yeah. And I was able to start him off. He was able to do the two brachot, but... The two blessings. The two blessings. And uh, and then, you know, he had a repertoire. We did like four different songs and uh, and a dance. A dance. You know, a dance because you, you, he loved... Yeah, so you worked with him on a I dance? I worked with him on a dance. So you would stand up and dance with him? So, you know, I practiced with him. And he, really? it was part of a performance. So this was his way. Yeah. Of of um, of participating in in bar mitzvah, it was beautiful. Well, where was he was at beautiful. in terms of his uh, abilities? Um, we moved ahead. We moved ahead. Uh, where? How did he come to you? In other words, was he in a particular grade or no? Uh, he had a lot of individual. He was in a small group. He yeah. was in a special program. Um, uh, how did we? I honed into you know the areas um how i felt that i could get through to him and that is of course in much shorter you know uh in in shorter like his attention but you know we would change around but still we covered you know the basics 
And uh, he, he was catching on. Like, we, I started many different approaches until we honed into, okay, here we go. This is, this is the winner. Okay, we're going to move this way. And, um, and we did it. It was great. How did you it know? How, how did you know how to do the dance part? Um, well, I—that's just something that I always loved as a child. I—I <laughs> I was actually introduced on a on Simcha Torah. I remember, as I was five years old, and and I was taken. I went to shul, and and I saw like these, you know, they're dancing in circles and doing all these different yeah, steps and yeah. singing. And it was so much fun, and I just fell in love with it. So I always I used I always loved it, and my for myself, but wherever, if I can incorporate that, if I see that, you know, that's something that will, will help in the inspiration, you know, and in this case, it really worked. You know, that was just another way of expressing his love for what he was doing. I'm just, I'm, he I'm, loved it. It was beautiful. Did he? I'm just trying to imagine it because I know There's you're... There's a, a video of it somewhere. I I'd love to where. see it. The father has it. I know your basement. You have a couch yeah. there and then you have yeah. a lazy boy off to the side. Yeah. I came to a couple of of, right. of the uh, of the uh, uh, lessons and I sat on the lazy boy. It's really nice, by the way. I was hoping for a beer, but... Um, <laughs> I say we have to work, but we can be comfortable Yeah, you guys are comfy. Time. You guys are yes. comfy. But, so I'm trying to figure this out. So so you have this young... On the carpet. There's room to and, do a circle. Yeah, to were do... You and were you told by the parents he likes to dance? Um, I think that was su- something I, we, I discovered along the way. You know, I can't remember. It's I been mean, a while. The, yeah. But... Um, I think it was something I discovered along the way. I, I was told he loves to sing. I knew he, he was into the singing. Um, but I thought that the the movement and the dancing, and also that's another way of, you know, it's it's to catch the attention, right? Right. It's, um, he, he, it was wonderful. When, you've, when you're told by a parent that this child has some challenges that mm-hmm. way, do you? Do you get frightened inside a little bit? Do you think to yourself, oh, my God, how am I going to do this one? Well, sometimes I've had situations where, um, you know, I'll do an interview with a student and and I think to myself, well, I don't know, maybe this will be the one that we'll do in my record. (laughs) But but you know what? (laughs) They always pull. It's it's amazing. It's so beautiful. Well, I have it's to tell so you something. Beautiful. For your own edification, I was yeah. listening to an interview with Tony Bennett. Uh, Steve Pakin from TV mm-hmm. Ontario was interviewing him. Steve was actually the previous interview to you here. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, Tony Bennett said that he gets nervous before every performance. Really? Yes, because he doesn't know how it's going to play out. And quite frankly... I get nervous before every interview. Wow. Because I have no idea how it's right, going to play out. Right. Right. You know, you use the resources that you have, yeah. the tools you have, you put them out there, you do your very best. But you know what? You just don't know what the conclusion is going to be or the process itself. Um, so I don't think it's unusual to go through the creative process right. and feel that way. Right. It's interesting, this uh, whole idea of talking about nervous, because that's a topic I come across a lot with my students. Yeah. And um, part of the coaching that I do with them at towards the end is the breathing techniques and the voice projection. And I tell them it's it's perfectly natural to feel excited, you know, because the day is coming. But the word but nervous, it's it doesn't apply really because nervous for my students would only apply if you feel that you are not 
prepared enough, you feel you don't know it enough, mm -hmm. oh boy, then you have a reason to be nervous. Yeah, yeah. But you're going to be excited. And that's perfectly normal and natural. So uh, it just kind of reminded me, since you're talking about nervous, but I draw that distinction. I point it out to the kids. And I tell them, you know what? Um, when you go up there, we're all human. Eh, sometimes something might slip out wrong. It's not because you don't know it. You know everything beautifully. Yeah. But we're all human. Every Torah reader, every cantor, every rabbi, you know, sometimes something will slip out. So no big deal. You just correct it and keep going. But what is not preferable is that you go, oops, oh no, I made a mistake. <laughs> we don't want you to announce it. But uh, as long as, you know, they, they understand that, then they're very, you know relaxed and a lot of times i've had many students who really go up there and they are like perfect they are perfect they are perfect a lot oh, you of, must have a so lot much of pride them. In i that. do i do are you ever blown away by kids voices yes yeah oh yes sometimes i i have they're kids. sweet aren't they oh they're just amazing yeah and, I, and i'll tell them i'll say well don't be surprised you know you might get an offer yeah, right, <laughs> from right. the cantor or the rabbi will say like hey maybe you want to lead youth services or, yeah. and that does happen a lot oh it does happen it does happen oh yeah oh. yeah mm, that's very, quite something they're very good yeah so do you want to hear a a, a very difficult story mm -hmm. <laughs> having to do with nerves okay you know, we all have our things in life where we sit back and go, oh, my gosh, I'm so incredibly proud of myself because I've done so well. And then there are other things that we've done, which oh, you look back and you go, I just want to forget that. Yeah. So this is I just want to forget that story. So I was working at a local synagogue and I was facilitating some of the bar and bat mitzvahs, not teaching them, but I would be up on the bima on the riser. Mm -hmm. And um, I would basically run the service. Oh, uh, wow. Yeah, as I'm going to do with my son's service. Mm -hmm. I was the rabbi, if you will. And um, I had this kid who was a very bright kid and a love, lovely child. But he wasn't spontaneous in nature. Mm -hmm. And I didn't pick up on that. Mm. And we got up there and I did as I do. I started to communicate with the child on the beam itself, on the riser itself, in front of the congregation, mm -hmm. asking him questions. How do you feel today? What's this like for you? It's the wrong thing to do. Oh, the poor, poor. I made a mistake. Poor guy. He he walked off the stage. Aww. Well, I have uh, many years of experience on radio, so mm -hmm. I was able to keep it going. But of course, the parents were not happy, mm -hmm. and the child came back on the bima on the stage, and for some reason, I continued to do the same thing not recognizing the mistake I had made. And he walked off again. Mm. And through some genius communication, mm -hmm. what have you, they were able to get him back out, and I obviously adjusted at that point. Mm -hmm. That was a tough one, Sadie. Yeah. That was a real... Have you ever had a debacle at all? Oh, thank God, no. Yeah, thank God it's... <laughs> I know. Thank God it's right. I had mine for years. Um, How about that for you? The, the biggest fear... Uh, as a bar mitzvah tutor is, I think for all bar mitzvah tutors, yeah. is um, making sure not to teach the student the wrong parsha. Oh, yes, <laughs> the yes. The wrong portion. And that happens, right? So it does happen. I've, I've had, thankfully, thank God, not hasn't happened to me, not yeah. yet anyways. Um, so, and I, you know, I'll double check like four, three, four times, you know, I'm always 
double, triple checking, making sure. Make checks and uh, balances. Check with the, yeah, with the synagogue, with it, making sure the dates they line up, the service. Right. You know, but that is the biggest fear. And that has happened. I know, I've heard it. And um, I've had a couple of cases where I, you know, like six weeks ahead, this student was taught the wrong portion. <laughs> no, he has to. <laughs> so I've had some emergency cases like that where I, you know. Oh, are you the emergency have, go-to? I'm the emergency go-to. Oh, are you? Yes. So what do you do in an environment like that? Oh, we get right to it. Yeah. And thank God, yes, they, they do great. So you would meet regularly. Yeah. Yeah. So I've had I've had cases like that or... Yeah. Normally the child comes what once a week mostly? Yeah, typically once a once a week. For lesson. a year in advance? That would be ideal, but most cases, you know, um, you know, 6 months, 8 months, 9 months, depends. Th- it really does depend on where the child is. If the student is in Hebrew day school or in an afternoon yeah. school, it depends on what the previous Hebrew background is. The the general rule is the less background the more time right, is right. is ideal and and that is another really important aspect because a a year or what i call a school year it really isn't it sounds like wow a year is such a long time but it isn't because you have to take out um you know school holidays winter break yes march break summer break jewish holidays <laughs> bad weather days sick days you know Hopefully not, but, you know, we're all human. Right, And when right. you take out all of that, then you're left just with the right amount of time that you need to teach the student, but minus one very important thing, which I call pressure. Yeah. So if you have the leeway of time, then you remove the pressure aspect. And that's a really important thing. It would be. Yeah. Yes, it would be. Yeah. Absolutely. Because it, it gives breathing space. All right. So I want to uh, I want to bear down here. I want to dig deeply. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, what you basically teach the child, the mm-hmm. boy or the girl, is what's called trope. You mm-hmm. call it trope. I've heard other people call it trope. Yeah. It's just different dialects. Yeah. Different dialects. Exactly. Um, so I've, I did a little bit of research into what trope is. And I came up with this, um, that as, you know, I wish I had the source for this. I probably should, and I apologize. But essentially, this person wrote, as my b'nai mitzvah, in other words, my students, become familiar with their Torah portions and the tiny trump symbols that float around the Hebrew words, I like Mm -hmm. the way she says this, indicating the melody and the proper way to accent the Hebrew to shed light on its meaning, I often ask which trope they like the best. So just take a step back a little bit. The trope essentially are the marks that one will find. Either on top of a word or on the bottom of a word. And um, and this trope really guides the reader or the singer on what note they should be singing, where they should pause, right? Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's, it's sort of a, a system that was developed um, so that there would be some consistency in terms of how the Torah was read and or sang, correct? Right. 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 So you learned the trope e- early yeah. on. Yeah. And what I tell my students about the trope is that it's a form of, of dramatizing the story. So, for example, I said, you know, if we're talking about uh, you know, in the little in the children's stories. Where the big bad wolf, 
So it's it's as if you're going to read it in a very monotone. And so he huffed and he puffed and he blew the little house down. Not or, very exciting. Exactly. It's mon- monotonous. Or, and he huffed and he puffed and he blew the house. <laughs> right? <laughs> so that's how I illustrated to them. That's what the trope is. It's, it's bringing life and drama and meaning and, and better understanding to the words. Oh, very nicely put. So she writes, in a typical Torah portion, there are roughly 20 reoccurring trope symbols Mm -hmm. some function like punctuation commas semicolons and periods Mm -hmm. to separate words and ideas other combine words and phrases together right Mm -hmm. right now is the trope itself in the actual torah on the parchment no it isn't it's not it's not Uh, the torah is written in fancy or hebrew letters called torah script and uh, the vowels the Hebrew vowels are not there, and the trope notes are not there either. So that is um, one of the final things that we learn. Uh, first, we learn uh, with the Hebrew script, with the letter, regular Hebrew letters and vowels, and then we introduce the musical notes, the trope. So, so typically, uh, you know, I teach the students how to sing the trope, what the notes are to sing them, and then we learn how to put the notes into the words and that's basically what it's what it's all about so sadie essentially putting them together they're memorizing so there is an element of not straight memorizing as if you would memorize lines in a in a it, poem or what have you yeah no it's it's not it's it's part it's really recognizing it and doing it so many times that you're so familiar with it so it's not straight memorization so my approach is First, I make sure that every student is comfortable uh, with reading Hebrew. So we go back to the Aleph Bet, you know, we go back to the basics. Even the Hebrew day school students, they're so used to reading Ivrit without the Nikudot, without the vowels. Yes. And so they're going like really super fast and then they've lost accuracy. So we have to go back and retrain and go, okay, now we're going to forget the speed. Now it's... uh, Tori, you know, just let or vowel, let, we need to be accurate. For those students who've had very little, but who've had no Hebrew background or very little, then it's a matter of strengthening, you know, introducing them to the sounds of the letters, the sounds of the vowels, and putting those together and getting them used to and comfortable and confident with being able to decipher and to read the Hebrew. So that's the first important element. The second element is to ascertain how is this student with their ability to um, to copy what they hear. If right. I, you know, if I sing a note, let, let me hear how they can repeat it. And sometimes, you know, um, you get students that they're, they're not so, they're what you call tone deaf or, you know, they, it may be more oh, yeah. difficult right. because not everybody, listen, I'm a perfect, because maybe that's why I can identify very well with students who feel that they can't sing at all. Because when I was growing up, I couldn't sing at all. Oh, you couldn't? No. <laughs> it was my sister. She was an amazing singer. I could not. So I know what it feels like. I know what it's like to, to have that feeling like, no, I can't do that. There's no way. So you developed but your singing? But I developed it. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, was, I developed it. So, and, I, and I tell the kids, I say, listen, I've got yeah. all the tips and all the secrets because I know what it's like. I know, yeah. I know where you're at. I know what it feels like. And now look, you would never know, right? <laughs> right so, right. and I can get you there. 
so it's um it's it's just it's great being able to to give that over well, one thing i remember when you first started teaching my mm -hmm. son noah yeah essentially that was your message to him is i can get you there that's right and i tell you something as a parent and as a student as a human being that's what you want to hear from your teacher mm -hmm. i can get you there yeah and you did yeah so yeah. she so thank you for oh, that. Oh, you're welcome. Yeah, In some ways I feel like this show is a bit of a gift, like a way of thanking you. Oh, that's so sweet. I, thank I do feel you. that way, uh, Sadie. I do. Oh, I really appreciate that. Thank yes, you so very much. much so. I'm so appreciative. You have no idea. Oh, it's my pleasure. Huh. I I love what I do, in case you didn't notice. <laughs> uh, it's very clear. Yeah, it's I, very clear. I enjoy it. And immensely. you have a lovely personality too. Oh, thank you. It was never a chore to come up to your place. We were never scared of you. <laughs> 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 you know thank you oh, you're welcome so listen so she yeah. writes mm -hmm. this is a very interesting article that she mm -hmm. writes she writes that she has a personal favorite of the trump and her mm -hmm. favorite is the darga okay as well as the tivir yeah the tivir now would you sing that or no oh um like, I, I sing it all the time with the kids um but not on the no, air. No, no, no. So you can't say what the Dargah yeah. is, okay? All right. So what does the Dargah do? Just explain what it does. Does it is it a crescendo? Does it rise? It rise it's uh it starts with a rise and then it and then it goes down in levels. Yeah. And it's very beautiful. They're all really beautiful. Are they? Yeah. Some of them are more you know what I call it? I call it uh, musical acrobatics. Oh, that's very nice. Because the notes, they really do. They just take you, you know, you like, you go up and you go down and there's so many different levels and you like do twirls. <laughs> so you enjoy like, doing see, it. You really... I enjoy it very much. She says, which Torah trope are you? Interesting. Hmm. So the mer mercha, mercha, mm -hmm. the mercha. What, what does the mercha do? You don't sing it, but what does it do? It's usually the starter. <laughs> it's the beginning? It's the beginning. It's the first uh, nah, one. Nah, nah, nah. I don't know. Okay. It's the first one. So the opening note to many Torah verses, mm -hmm. she writes, mm -hmm. you're the trumpet blast that signals a call to action and the first person to start a task. So if this is, if the Merchah is your favorite, that's who you are. You're a real team player. You're all business with no wasted effort or glitz. You're the workhorse of the tropes. Interesting. It's cool, isn't it? It is. She says, if you're the tipcha, you're the closer among the tropes. You clean the dryer lint trap, send finished emails to committee members, and start the dishwasher <laughs> after straightening the kitchen. You never make a fuss, and together with your buddy Mercha, you communicate tremendous swaths of sacred text quickly and efficiently. Mm. Does this resonate with you at all? I can see where she gets that from. I find it so interesting. It's almost like she's like each symbol of the trope. She's sort of like the signs of the zodiac, you know, how, right. how each one. Right. It's really interesting. I'll tell you one I can more. I see how she draws that. It's the munach. Mm -hmm. I remember learning there's there's a thing. Is Did you teach uh, my son in the beginning just the song of the trope itself, like Bunach, Pashta, like that? Did you go through a song so uh not a, not in a song. And like it's a it's a chart. A chart. But it's probably not what you're thinking the way it used to be taught as a That's as how a song. I was taught. Yeah. yeah. No. Yeah. I'm sure it's not that same way. It's a little bit different. Right. We used to sing Ma Pach Pashta Zakev Katon Zakev Gadol. Am I being you remember uh, it. really? Good I was right. For you. Oh, yeah. thank God. Okay, so Muna. Here's what mm -hmm. she writes. 
a helper trope. It's yeah. a helper trope. You forge connections between words, altering your style and voice depending on the trope you are assisting. You leap around, show quite a bit of personality, <laughs> and look identical to another Munach when standing side by side, even though your voices vary. You are the glue between words of Torah, the unheralded but vital worker in an organization. Wow, she's, yeah, beautiful. Which of the trope are the ones that curl up and up and up? They crescendo, they go higher and higher and higher. There's a number of them. Which ones? Um, Azla Geresh, Pazer, Dargaz, we said. Um, there's simpler ones, there's more involved ones, there's ones that go up, there's ones that go down, like the Tavir that goes down. Right, right. Um, they're all beautiful. Uh, and when put together, you know, with together with the portion, uh, whichever Parsha, it, uh, it's uh, really beautiful to listen to, and um, it's actually easier for the kids to remember with a song, with a tune, when they're learning, than if you were just going to, you know, regular read something. I'm there's, finding there's, there's really nothing else like this, is there? Certainly not in Judaism, and I'm not sure outside of Judaism where a child has to sit learn a set of notes well i guess playing yeah. an instrument well opera <laughs> right but how many the people take of, opera not no, too many but opera is really right it's uh they're speaking but they're singing yeah yeah so that's the only thing i can think of but that would compare <laughs> I, I guess my point is that we, yeah. we we've chosen a particular uh way when it comes to this rites of yeah. passage or when it comes to reading the torah mm -hmm. and uh it's very specific mm-hmm and it's also highly unique. Yes. You have to, many different mental functions go on at the same time in order to achieve it. Right, right. right. So yeah. you're, you're, draw, you're drawing upon the best of the child. That's right. As well as yourself. Yeah. I had a, a new student and we were just going through the trope and we went, um, he, he listened to the, the Pazer, the biggest, longest and most complicated one. Is that the Pazer? Yeah, the big, yeah, right. yeah, yeah, oh, got the it. big long one. Yeah. And he goes, that one, I can never <laughs> do that one. And I said, you, you know what, you, you, it, it, it is pretty rare. It's not found all that often. Um, but you know what, let me show you that you can do it. Yeah. Whether you have it or not, I'm just gonna show, I'm gonna prove to you. And, and so we just did, I divided it into like little sections and he repeated each section and then we did half and half i said you see and he's like looking at me and he's like has that look on his face like did i just do that yeah it's incredible and so i said yeah i just wanted to show you that yes yes you can do this and if, if we need to we're gonna oh yeah you you know the more and you the more you and i talk about this the more i realize what a gift you have oh thank like you. to see change in children there's nothing like it yeah it's it's great. It's so, it's the gift of uh, giving them empowerment hey. um, and for them to realize that they have skills that they were, you know, very hesitant about. And it gives it the, them that confidence, the confidence of success, of achievement and, uh, and se self um, esteem. Yeah. It's great. I love it. Have you ever taught adults? 
Um, I've I've taught some adults who've come. They wanted to learn how to read Hebrew, so yeah, so that they could go through the be more adept at following, you know, the Sidur and Shul or. Or adults who say, my grandson is going up there and I uh, need brushing up. <laughs> right, right. So, you know, I give them the, the recording and I give them a few tips and, yeah. But I, I don't, uh, that's, I've done some adults over the years, but very rare. My dear friend, uh, Dr. Saul Kendall, mm-hmm. he's a dentist. In fact, he's my dentist. Mm-hmm. Um, so shout out to Saul. Uh, do I have good teeth? Very nice smile. Thank you so much. So there you go, Saul. You heard it right here. So um, Saul's grandson, I think it was his first grandson, was about to have his bar mitzvah. And Saul decided that he, because he had never had a bar mitzvah himself, that he was going to do it together with his grandson. Wow. Yeah. And I worked with him a little bit on it. And he got up there and he did his thing. Uh, I think he read a portion of it or he said the uh-huh. book, whatever it happened to be. Right. And I'll tell you something. It was uh, really one of the highlights, I think, of my, my shul going oh, uh, days just to see someone up there with his grandson having the courage and bravery to do it. Mm-hmm. I thought that was absolutely beautiful. Oh, it is. Are you ever surprised when you speak to someone who's never had a bar about mitzvah, an adult? I can't say that I've come across any parent, like any parents of yeah. students. Um, I've heard of grandparents in the Holocaust. Right. Who have not had an opportunity and then have done it later. But I've not really had that. Uh, I've not had that situation. So I'll tell you something interesting about that, Sadie. First off, the I believe it's the Holocaust Center at the Jewish mm-hmm. Federation. They actually have a program where you can pair up your child who's having oh, a bar yes. mitzvah with a, a, a child who right. perished right. in the Holocaust. And one of the things we're doing at my son's bar mitzvah is I've asked Nate Leipziger, mm-hmm. who was considered to be the voice of the Holocaust in Canada, to come up and to do a prayer and to say a few words about those children who never had the opportunity to yeah. have a bar about mitzvah. I think that's a beautiful program. I've had because students of the who've done that. Yes, it, it is. They talk a little bit about the life of the child who never had the, yeah. and this is sort of a, in memory of, in honor of. Yes, and I would extend that universally mm-hmm. to those children, whether they be from Cambodia um, or Vietnam or wherever there have been genocides and wars who've never been able to go to through their particular rites of passage. And that's very, very tragic, you know, because this is a very important celebration, I believe. Mm-hmm. Right? And to take that away from the child is sad. Yeah. Yeah. Also, many times, um, that's uh, the part of Tikkun Olam that uh, the child focuses on in the Dvar Torah. Many times, kids... You know, uh, let's say if they have the luncheon or, you know, instead of a centerpiece, they'll put together like a, a beautiful basket that will go to, you know, children who, who right. can't afford school supplies or, uh, you know, they'll so that it has it has double meaning. So very much along the lines of what you're talking about is uh, to be very mindful of how fortunate to be um very thankful yes for and that's a, also a very important part of life especially today we live in such a 
we're so fortunate. We live like the lifestyles that we live today, a hundred years ago, you know, um, uh, everybody's life today, uh, back then would be considered like royal <laughs> beyond, yeah. right? Yeah. Like beyond anyone's wildest dreams Agreed. in terms of what you can eat, where you can go, what you can do. I know. You know, I know. Uh, so we're so fortunate and that's, um, it's uh, really important to be cognizant of of uh, who we are, where we are, and and at the same time uh, to be very uh, sensitive to those who are less fortunate. So we are having for our bar mitzvah centerpieces from via hafta, mm. and they basically what they are is a basket. Mm-hmm. with items for those people living on the street, the homeless, yeah. wrapped in cellophane. And mm-hmm. we put it on the table. Great. And then once the bar mitzvah yeah. is over, and then it gets delivered. we get them back to Vyahafta and they deliver them into right. the street. Beautiful. Yeah. 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 But I, I think you're right. We are very blessed. You know when I feel most blessed? When I go shopping. <laughs> and I look at the panacea or the plethora of fruits and vegetables, mm-hmm. especially when they just got fresh stuff in. Right. And I can't believe the number of different types of apples that we have and the peppers and the cucumbers and the okay. carrots. And I look, you know, someone once told me that there was uh, a woman who came here from the Ukraine, an older woman, and they uh, their family took her to a supermarket and she fainted. Really? Yeah, she was overwhelmed. She thought they had set it up like a theatrical oh, thing to kind of convince her, oh, yeah. look what a beautiful country. And they explained to her, no, this is for everyone. You yeah. can come and buy this stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we're so, so fortunate. Aren't we? Yeah. I know. Yeah. I know. And uh, and we need to impart that to our kids. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Because, I mean, even 20 years ago when <laughs> when I was uh, teaching, we, you know, everyone brought these giant, uh, big, huge uh, tape recorders. <laughs> we worked from tape recorders, yeah. like boom boxes, you yeah, know, boom they boxes. come schlepping these big, heavy things. And, <laughs> and we have the tapes, you know, with the, and now it's the iPhones, which is, it's like, it's amazing. Yes. And, uh, or even a rotary phone, you know, like they don't make that in, in baby toys anymore because kids today wouldn't know what to do with it. Yeah, I just saw something on the internet that they put a rotary phone in front of a couple of kids, teenagers, yeah. and they asked them to to use it for whatever it's for. They had a hard time figuring it yeah. out. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So Sadie, we uh, yeah. we're we're, we're going to be wrapping up shortly. I I do want to touch on the fact that you've had a somewhat of an eclectic life. Mm-hmm. Not only are you a bar and bat mitzvah teacher, but you were actually a rebbitzin at some point, right? Yeah, I was a rabbi's wife. Yeah, for twenty years. And I know what that's like, not that I've been a rabbitson. You've been a rabbi's son. I've been a rabbi's son, and I watch my mother very closely in mm-hmm. terms of what she, she's done. Um, and it seems to me you were quite successful as a rabbitson. Um, I don't. I don't know. <laughs> like you built a synagogue. We did. With your first husband, and it, yeah. was, it was a good yeah. one. Oh, like yeah. A it, lot of people it, attended. It was, uh, we founded... Uh, B'nai Shalom North Congregation yeah. in Thornhill in the early, in 1984. In the early 80s, there was um, North of Steeles, you know, there was an explosion of uh, real estate back then. And, uh, and it was this giant new Jewish community and there were no real service, like there was no That's daycare, right. there were no Hebrew, you know, it was, so we were really the pioneers among the first really 
to provide that. So we were a congregation. We were a uh, afternoon Hebrew school affiliated with the Board of Jewish Education. We were a daycare. We also had a daycare center for children 18 months to five years. We were government licensed. And I think we were one of the first ones also to provide that even in daycare, it was a dual program. It was English and Hebrew curriculum and kosher food. Wow. So, yeah, we were pioneers. It was it was uh, huge. The congregation for high holiday services, we rented the Garnet Williams Community Center. Right, and we right. had hundred, oh yeah, like seven, eight hundred, yeah, about that, seven hundred people attend, a hundred for the youth service and kids. And, and in the early years when I um, built the Hebrew school, I remember the first year uh, we rented uh, uh, Westminster Public School and we had like 47 students. Mm-hmm. And then over the years, at our peak, we grew to 350. Wow. It was huge. It was amazing. Um, and, you know, back then, there was, uh, I noticed, like, especially around December, uh, you know, wherever you'd go, you hear the happy music, the yeah. holiday music. And and I, I just felt that the kids are going to public school. And I, I just saw that, that our children were very envious of their classmates yep. who are who are celebrating, you know, Christmas and 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 the holiday cheer. And I felt that Hanukkah had such a back seat. So it was like my mission to really I wanted the kids to be proud of who they are. So it had the curriculum, everything, the Hebrew, the holidays, That's um, great. Jewish customs. Uh, but I also brought in very fun programs like Israeli folk dancing and, and uh, music. And and I had it televised. I uh, Back then, you know, you had Channel 10. I think it was called Classicom Cable. Yeah, it was and cable I, TV. It yeah. was cable TV. And I remember. So we did like the Hanukkah, the candlelight. Like it, it was we made it major big events where all these hundreds of parents would come out, make a big show. And uh, and then it was televised, you know, it was shown on TV, and we would let the kids know when when and and the I must say the the biggest moment of of, of um, glory for me was when one student came running up to me and she goes in school, Mrs. Stone, Mrs. Stone, guess what? And I go what? <laughs> she says my friend saw me on television for Hanukkah. Yeah, that's cool. And to me, it was music to my ears. Absolutely. It's like, yes, goal accomplished. Yes, yes. Because that's what it's all about. You love being a bar mitzvah teacher? I do. You really do, right? <laughs> I, I really enjoy it. Yeah, it's yeah. pretty clear. I that's love pretty being clear. part of uh, part of the family life cycle. Um, it's, it's, uh, it's been a real blessing, actually, to have uh, run all the programs throughout all the years. And, uh, and even though I retired from doing all those other things, but to continue with, uh, with this. And now I'm looking forward. I'm actually going to start to teach my own grandson, which oh, I'm looking forward that's nice. in another year or so. So it's going to come full circle. So you're satisfied with life. Very much. Oh, that's Thank beautiful. Thank God, you yes. Can't, you can't ask for more, right? No, no. So I want to conclude the show by first off saying that um, I, I think it's appropriate to dedicate this show to someone who was uh, just killed in uh, San Diego. Right. Her name was Lori Kay in a terrorist attack. And uh, God bless her soul. I want to achieve through Hat Radio, um, and I want to create an environment which is really positive, 
whereby people can listen to your story and other interviewees and to take out of them the, the belief that we can grow, that we can become better, that we can make ourselves stronger. And by definition, we can do that within our community and we can do it in the world. There's no question in my mind that we really have it within our grasp to make this world a, a gem, mm -hmm. the, the, almost the perfect place it, it could be. And I'm not under any illusions. I recognize there are people who don't want that, but I would argue that most people do. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm going to guess for all the all the kids that you've taught over the years, you said somewhere between 800 and 1,000. I'm going to guess you probably sat there with them and looked at them week and week out and say, you know what? This is a gem. This is a gem of a human being. Oh, yes. Right? Oh, yes. Right? Always discovering, like just sitting in awe and going, wow. And then even sometimes having the opportunity to then see them all grown up. Like, yeah. wow. Yeah. This one's become a doctor. Or, wow. Like, or, right. or what they're, you know, as an adult. It's, it's really. Do they come back to you often years later and say, Sadie, I just want you to know whatever? Yeah. Do you get calls? Um, I, I get, sometimes I get like, uh, where by surprise, you know, we'll just cross paths. Yeah. And those are so, so beautiful and satisfying. They'll come up to me and they'll say, wow, thanks to you, you taught me. And now I'm, yeah. you know, X, Y, I'm doing X, Y, Z, you know. That's nice. It's, uh, it's so lovely to hear that you've had a positive impact on someone's yes. life in yes. terms of their uh their growth and uh, see this is what i don't get sadie mm -hmm. i don't get how somebody can wake up one morning and decide today they're going to hurt somebody mm. i don't understand that i mean I don't, I don't understand what feeling comes along with that or what happens in a person's mind and we, of course we can argue everyone who does such things is is mentally ill and that may or may not be true i don't know but this fellow who killed Lori Kay mm. in, Pas in San Diego, lovely human being, just went and shot yeah. her, a grandmother, yeah. a mother. It's tragic. Yeah, it's like anathema. Tragic. It's the opposite end yes. of what you do. Right. You wake up every morning and say, how can I make this kid's life better? Right. And there are people out there who approach life yeah. exactly the opposite. And that's what we need to fight. I mean, Exactly. I guess that's why we hope to inspire. Right a new generation, the next generation. Yeah. And like you said before, and so that that generation can inspire is for the positive. And you believe that light. that's possible because you see I the do. beauty in the children, right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Well, you know what? Uh, thank you for being our guest. Thank, uh, thank you so much. It was really a pleasure. How was it for you? It was great. Did you enjoy it? I did. Yeah. I didn't know what to expect. Oh, this you were is, terrific. This has been wonderful. You were terrific. Thank you so much. Yeah, I you appreciate were. It. And I also want to and reiterate, I, I want to thank you so much for being my son's bar mitzvah teacher. My pleasure. He's a very special young man. Thank you. You will thank see you. a lot of a lot of good. A lot of, as you we say, nachat, nachas. Pride, right? <laughs> Pride. Yeah, and I'm happy we chose you, and I, oh. I we never regretted that, and I think it'll stay with us forever, so thank you very much for that. My pleasure. My yeah. pleasure. And wish you good luck. Thank you. Good Should doing. have been there, you know. <laughs> Just kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm bugging you. But I also no want to thank our listeners. Uh, this is uh, Hat Radio, and you can find us on Facebook at Hat Radio Podcast. You can also find us. We have a website, a really nice website that we just developed 
uh, Jimmy Ben Simon is my friend and he has a social media company and they put together, uh, I think aesthetically a very, uh, presentable website and it's called hat radio, one word dot CA. So have a listen. If you have any ideas for potential guests, people who can tell their story, who can articulate uh, a compelling and interesting story of their own, a narrative, um, and are very positive people, then please feel free to be in touch with us. And you can do so through one of those venues. Anyways, do great things in life, small acts of kindness, goodness, and let's make this world, you know, as I said before, the gem that it has the potential to be, build upon what it currently is. And you've been listening to Hat Radio. It is the show that schmoozes. Do you like that? Love the, it. The show that schmoozes. I like it. It's an alliteration too, yeah. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. And God bless. Bye. You too. Bye-bye. You've been listening to Hat Radio with Avram Rosenzweig, sponsored by Goodness and Positivity. Hat Radio, the show that schmoozes. Step inside my living room. Share a little talk. By roads walked and lessons learned Keeping the flame of faith burning I wanna know where you've been What you found out Spread some light in the darkness Spread it all about In the hat In the hat